You know, if you were to listen to the local news, you would think that the rain has stopped all things. And you are, you are evidence that that's not true, so welcome. You did it. You made it. <laughs> Great moment to be here. I think one of the things that I want to say before we even, uh, even start is that um, I so appreciate the prayer from this morning, this, um, this idea, this reality that um, we have been in a noisy week. It's been very loud, and, and that word to me is very helpful, um, partly because as this week has gone on, it, it's, been, it's been hard to hear, especially as I've been trying to prepare a sermon, as I've been trying to write. It's just been really, really loud and, and everything, and I want to say, though that's true, um, that's not where the Scripture has led me this morning. And so... So I will step away from the loudness and hopefully that this is a word for for us to hear, us to grow in and and grow from. So as we begin, would would you pray with me? Spirit of the living God, you have given us your word. You've given us these words. God, that we might hear, that we might understand, that we might be drawn to a new reality in our life with you, in our faith. So, God, as these words come off of this page, God, would you do something new in us? Open our hearts and open our minds. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. According to the Psalms, the primary use of prayer is not for expressing ourselves, but for becoming ourselves, and we cannot do that alone. It's a quote from Eugene Peterson, writer of The Message. It's important. Because as we've been in this series, this Heart Cries series, this series about the Psalms, we've got to understand this isn't expressions of us out in the world. It's us hearing what God is doing in us and shifting and changing us so that we can become something new. I would also add that um, the primary purpose of a sermon is not that anyone standing up here, myself included, that would get up here just to express myself, but that I would become something new in the midst of sermon. Through a good word, through the gospel, right? That we become something new. Two years ago, I lost two very good friends to cancer. My age, families, and one of my friends uh, by the name of Jim, 
He was uh, one of those guys that we just shared life together. He was one of those top 10 guys. He was, um, he was one of those ride or die guys. I, 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 I am so sad to have lost his friendship and his word in my life. We used to surf together and go fly fishing together and ride mountain bikes together. And over the 20 years that I knew Jim, we shared a lot of life. Jim was also a husband and a father and a follower of Christ and a pastor. And over the six years that Jim had cancer, I would go up periodically, he lived in Northern California, to visit him. And depending on, you know, how he was feeling, we would either go on an adventure or just sit in his house. There were many times that I drove up there just to drive him to cancer treatments. And there were other times when in sitting in this house, he would just say, hey, hey, bro, can you just read some scripture for me? And at some, some point in time, Psalm 40 became a scripture that we went to often. Part of that was just because it was good for that moment, but it was also because of Jim's love for the band U2. Jim loved <laughs> U2. He loved Bono, the singer, and uh, really considered Bono a, a, an amazing theologian, which, you know, we're not going to get into the debate about that. <laughs> but U2 has a song called 40, written after this psalm. And that song was something that they used to end their concerts with which I think is amazing for a band who does not consider themselves Christian to lead out in this moment that speaks out this word about God and who God is. Allowing those who are believers and those who are not believers to sing words about Christ. That's, that's amazing and good stuff. So in preparing for this, that is in the back of my head. Psalm 40, verses 1 through 3, it's the most recognizable part of the psalm. It's the most quoted part of this psalm. Let me read it again for us. For the director of music of David, a psalm. I waited patiently for the Lord. He turned to me and heard my cry. He lifted me out of the slimy pit, out of the mud and mire. He set my feet on a rock and gave me a firm place to stand. He put a new song in my mouth, a hymn of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. This first section of the psalm really is just a testimony it's a clear expression of a person who's looking back on their life and saying there were moments where I was caught in a pit that I was struggling to see my way out of something that I was caught in this miry clay. I'm sure if you've been hiking or walking after a rain at times, you, you hike and walk and you get your shoes caught up with mud and this really caked on, muddy, clayey thing. 
That's what I think of when I think of this mire, this slimy pit, this thing that drags us down and makes us feel like we can't take the steps that we want to take, that we can't move. But David's words for us are even more. He alludes to this idea of pit as Sheol or, or hell. These words express this recognition of great and significant pain, this sense of loss, this fear of the unknown. And yet, quickly, we are moved from that place. And the reason that we're moved from that place is that while David waited patiently for God, he was crying. <laughs> that while David sat in silence, he was running to God. That while he waited, he moved. David is preaching that he has been rescued from that place, that his feet are on solid ground, that pain and loss and fear are not alive in his current experience. That message, that message is the core of the gospel. The psalmist goes on. Verse 4 said, blessed is the man who makes the Lord his trust. Who does not look to the proud, to those who turn aside to false gods. Many, O oh Lord, my God, are the wonders you have done, the things you planned for us. No one can recount to you. Were I to speak and tell of them, they would be too many to declare. It's a simple and important next step that when we hear of the story of God's faithfulness, that we respond, that we hear of moments that the Lord has turned and heard our cries and delivered us from pain, delivered us from a sense of loss, delivered us from the fear of the unknown. We celebrate. We celebrate God's faithfulness. We celebrate God's faithfulness in our lives and in people's lives whom he has done the same thing. We are encouraged to move forward in faith because of the trust that God has created. And, and I... When I talk about faith and trust, I, I want to be clear that these are not the same thing. I think about a, a road that we, that we walk, right? This faithful road, this way, this, this time, and, and, and every moment from, from way back when up until now, God has created this moment of trust for us. So when we stand, where we stand, whether it's in a pit or on solid rock, we have created this moment of trust that we can look back to. Everything forward is a moment of faithfulness and faith because we don't know where it's going. We're not sure what's ahead of us. Yet every single time we take a step out in faith, we move into a place where God can meet us and allow us to look back in a place of trust. And every time we move, we create more faithfulness 
you and I can look back over our lives and say, look how far God has brought me. This church just celebrated 120 years. Look how far God has brought us. In Psalm 40, there is a very specific understanding that this message is for the whole congregation. This message is for the whole community. This testimony is for us. David is speaking about his rescue and that his people can trust God who rescued him. They can trust with such conviction that they are going to look back at God's faithfulness and not to false gods who will not set their feet on a rock. We can trust because of their trust, because of David's trust. We can look back that far and know that God is still with us now. We can trust that. Though it's very tempting to look to the left and to the right. It's very tempting to look to other things that, that might be supportive or might be helpful or might promise that they will be there, that we can stand on firm ground. But if you're going to look to the side, I'd encourage you to look like this. Because <laughs> that's not a place I want to go again. Because I've been over there, and I know that that ain't right. Here's the best part. When we look back over our lives and see that God has been faithful, that God has moved on our behalf, that God is trustworthy, that our feet are firmly placed on that rock of trust. The psalmist declares that we are blessed. The psalmist proclaims that you and I are blessed in the same way that Jesus proclaims that we are blessed. Blessed. The psalmist continues. Verse 6, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ears you have pierced. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not require. Then I said, Here I am, I have come. It is written about me in the scroll. I desire to do your will, O oh my God. Your law is within my heart. Because we are blessed, because we trust God, because we have been set free, we have a responsibility to respond. Note what the psalmist says, though. Our response is not sacrifices. It is not offerings. It is not about what I can do for God. It's not what I bring to the table. We are reminded about David's cry in Psalm 51. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit and a broken and contrite heart. These, O oh God, you will not turn away. 
Our response is one of gratitude and really a reminder of what Pastor Greg preached to us a couple weeks ago, that the Word of God in our lives, on our hearts, provides us this moment of being set free for the sake of God's will. That God would write Scripture on our hearts so that we can move. The story of God in our lives provides us a vehicle by which to share God's blessings to God's community. I know you know this, but it's important for me to say this here. Church, we do not exist for the people gathered in this room. We exist for those who are not here yet. The people that you are surrounded by are looking to see that if your life is affected at all by the faith that you profess, your friends, your family, your parents, your kids, your spouse, your neighbors, and even the people down the aisle, they're passively watching to see what effect does Christ have in your life. Are you changed by this God whom you serve? And, and, and let's be clear. I'm not talking about putting on some happy face. I'm not talking about creating this perception that we're, we're followers. I'm talking about living out honest, real, good life in front of and with people, the one that talks about when we're in a pit and the ones we're on the top of a mountain. These are our moments to speak about God's faithfulness. When I was a sophomore in college, I was in a lot of ways, shifting my life. I had grown up in the church. I'd been baptized at a very young age, middle school, something I chose. Been a part of the classes that allowed me to remember lots and lots of scripture. I'd gone on every camp, every missions trip, Word of God was in me, yet my sophomore year was a moment where I was struggling to connect with a God I knew. Struggling so much so that um, I, I didn't feel like God was there. And this had been going on for a while. It wasn't just that particular year. And the only thing that I knew at that particular point in time to reach out to God it, was to read Scripture was to grab my Bible and say, how, how, where are you, Lord? What story in here is going to speak to me? Because that's what I had been taught, that the stories of God speak to us now. Amen. And so I picked up my Bible and I read it in a month. And then I did it again. And again. 
And after reading and reading and reading, believe me, I got frustrated because I couldn't find God in the stories. I could not realize where God was connecting with me. And it got to the point where I was doing this arguing with the Lord. All right, Lord, you don't show up. I need, I need, to, I need to leave this here because this isn't, this isn't happening. So I remember one spring day, I grabbed my little towel and grabbed my Bible, and I said, all right, Lord, you got, you got, to, you got to show up. And I had, I had, I had kind of stopped kind of going through, you know, every, every scripture, and I kind of turned to, you know, I, I turned to the hits, right? <laughs> Went to, like, the, the real important scriptures that we all kind of rushed to. You know, John three sixteen, and you know Joshua one nine, and you know Jeremiah twenty nine eleven. And I was going through all of these ones that I had memorized and, and processed in my mind, and, and I had gotten to uh, had been out there for a long time, and I had gotten to this one particular scripture that um, I was told that was a really helpful scripture for me to memorize, and that's Isaiah forty one ten. And as I say that, I'm sure that some of you are, like, oh yeah, that's that one. So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And when I read that, when I read that, I said, you know what, Lord? That's not true in my experience. This is not true. So I grabbed my towel picked up my Bible with the full intention of throwing my Bible in the trash on the way back into my dorm. And on my walk back, I heard in faith, you missed a verse. Um, there. There's a lot of verses. <laughs> I heard, look up one verse. Isaiah 41.9, it's not on the hits list. It says this. I took you from the ends of the earth, From its farthest corners, I called you. I said, you are my servant. I have chosen you and have not rejected you. And in a moment where I had felt rejected and left and pushed aside by many things in my life, and that's a different story, God reached down and said, I am choosing you. I have not left you. I am holding you. And I wept. And I weep. Because even now, the reality of the scripture coming off the page and alive in my experience has never, ever left me. And from that day until now, I have never 
question God's reality in my life. God drew me up out of a pit and set my feet on a rock, and God would choose to do the same for you, whether or not you followed him for 40 years or you haven't started following him yet. And so the question is for you, are you listening? Are you hearing? Are you looking to hear what God is speaking to you? Did you hear David speak about God's faithfulness? Have you heard a new song in your heart? Are you allowing God to tell you your story? Are you listening? Have you seen David trust the Lord, especially when it's hard? Have you seen yourself trust the Lord, especially when it's hard? Have you watched others around you rely on Jesus? Have you looked in your own rearview mirror to see how far God has brought you? Are you listening? Have you listened to the man after God's own heart? Are you hearing God's word within you, even the still, small voice? The most important question for me is, are you free? Have you been freed by the God of the universe who says you are free? Church, we are free. We have been freed by the God on high to stand on a rock and engage the words, to allow the word to wash over us, to allow these words to become real in our experience, to pray with others no matter where they are, to grab one another's hand in the midst of their pain, to tell God's story of God's faithfulness in our life so that we might continue to walk forward in faith so that we can create a long life of following God and pouring point back at the end and say, Lord, God, thank you for bringing me this far. And even with all of that, I know that there are some in here are saying, you know what, but that's, that's just, that's not me. That's not, that's not where I am. But that's the point. No matter where you are, God is willing to reach to where you are. And I would remind us that according to the Psalms, the primary use of prayer is not for expressing ourselves but for becoming ourselves. This rock is supposed to become you. This rock is supposed to become us. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up. And I'm so grateful for this song that we're about to sing.
And I'm going to invite you that no matter where you are to take a look in the rear view mirror while we're singing this song. Where has God brought you from and what has God freed you to? And respond in gratefulness for the God who reaches you wherever you are, even right now. Amen and amen.